go ahead and open up our Bibles this morning, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to draw your attention this morning to verses 8 and 9. And of course, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippian church, he said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 25, Solomon, of course, writing, said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's interesting here in the Hebrew, the word way, derek, derek in the Hebrew. And it literally means a road, a course of life, if you will, or a mode of action. What's that tell me? It tells me there's a road that seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, a man in his unregenerated mind and heart has no capacity to make decisions pertaining to life that will inevitably produce anything that is good. Now, I'm sure that there's some listening to me that will argue that point, of course, because they believe that man is intrinsically good, you see. That deep down, there's a spark of goodness in every person. That men are basically at heart good. If you believe that, watch the news. And even that statement alone, that men are basically good, falls under the same judgment there in Proverbs 16, 25, because there's a way, there's a road that seems right. There's a course of life or a mode of action that men think is the way to go. I mean, it sounds reasonable that all men are basically good. Something that people want to believe. I've heard it said a million times. Maybe you've heard them said commentators or maybe even people who have stood behind pulpits who have said it. Sounds right. Even though all you have to do is look at history. From the very beginning of recorded time, man has been hell-bent, if you will, on self-destruction. He is quickly given over to vile and evil things. I call it a mob mentality. Once again, don't believe it? Watch the news. Isn't it interesting how the news wants to talk about the violence and the rage and the evil that we see rampaging through the streets and they want to call it everything but what it is. Oh, it's protesting. Oh, really? 
It's funny, it looks like vile mob mentality, destruction, and evil doings to me. They're killing people and shooting people, even little kids. That doesn't look like a protest. And if it is a protest, it ought to be outlawed. That's crazy. But that's mankind. See, the more you feed evil, the more it wants. You can't appease it, can't make peace with it. It just wants more. That's the way man is. At his core, he is wretched at best. This is what the Bible says, not Doug Copen. Thus the Apostle Paul in his book to the Romans stated the truth about mankind when he said there in chapter 3, as it's written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Notice he didn't leave any squeaky room. Okay, for may maybe there's a good guy. He said, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They've all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That's what God says. So according to God, there's not some spark of goodness in all of mankind. Quite the opposite. Mankind, apart from God, apart from the, the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, apart from having his eyes of his understanding opened to the things of God, apart from that, it's not only not good, but he is dead in trespasses and sins. He's dead. I worked in a prison years ago. in the corn state of Iowa. Worked in the oldest prison west of the Mississippi. Had a death row there. In Iowa, they used to hang you. Up till not too many years ago, to be honest with you. It was kind of like living in, I was a California boy and I wound myself, it was kind of like working in the old west. But when a man was condemned to die, when he was condemned, you say, sometimes you got to move him to go get showers. And when we would take him out of the cell, they would holler down, dead man walking. Why? Because he was already condemned. Thus, even though he was walking, we would holler, dead man walking. That's all of mankind outside of God, you see. Outside of the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, every person who is born is a dead man walking. So often we think that it is the things that we do that condemn us. Jesus said, no. Think not. He said, listen, in faith in Jesus Christ is the only place we have salvation. But those who believe not, he said, are condemned already because they have believed not on the only begotten Son of God. There's none righteous. There's none. Zero. According to God. This is the common condition of mankind. Solomon, that he was referring to there in Proverbs 16, 25, because even in his fallen state, Man thinks of himself way more highly than he should. He thinks himself to be something when he's really nothing. 
He thinks himself to be smarter than the Almighty. Thus, there is a way, Solomon said, that seems right to a man. There's a road that seems good to him. There's a road that he has chosen. A manner of life that he likes. A mode of operation that he thinks is the way to do it. And yet it leads to destruction. And even though he will surround himself with others just like him. And they will pat each other on the back saying, yes, you're right. Telling themselves how good they are. All of their efforts will lead them, unfortunately, to eternal destruction. Now, when Solomon said there's, not, there's, there's a road that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, now we dare not think that man would exclusively choose the road of secularization. Quite the contrary, really. In man's desire for self-glorification, which leads to destruction, he often chooses the road of religiosity in an attempt to mask his wretched state. Once he has been on that road for a long time, he very well may have himself convinced that he's better than the wretch who has clung to his atheism or his secularism by the side of the road. But in reality, his state is no better than the former. Because in reality, being secular or being religious, there's a road that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In his treatise to the Philippians, uh, you know, the church, in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul laid out his pedigree, if you will, which was substantial when you read it. He says there in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, he says, Though I might have some, to, you know, somewhat to have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Wow. That's a pretty, pretty stout pedigree there, you know. It's a, what a claim to fame. From a very early age, Paul had given himself over to the religious road, trying to mask his wretchedness by religious activity and supposed devotion to God. You remember Jesus was talking to his disciples one time. And he was talking about the end times. And he said, there will come a time when those who kill you will believe that they are doing God a service. Paul was the fulfillment of that. That's exactly what he was doing. From a child, he had grown up at the feet of Gamaliel. One of the most renowned rabbis of his time. He was educated in the ways of the law and of the Torah. Yet even in that state, Paul was just as hell-bound as those who deny the existence of God. No doubt after his conversion, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, was speaking from a personal experience when he said this in Romans 10. For I bear them record, talking about the Jews, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You see, my friends, there's a road that seems right to a wretched man. It might be his own road, devoid of the acknowledgement of God, which is why the scriptures declare that only a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Or, a man in his wretched state, in his unregenerated state, as the apostle did, very well may choose the road of religiosity, as so many do. And they go about trying to do good in order to cover up the filthiness of their rags, the sinfulness of their unregenerated state of their heart. Both of these roads, my friends, secular or religious, are actually one and the same. You know, years ago, there was a uh, television show, a, a talk show, uh, by a guy by the name of Tom Snyder. Maybe some of you remember him. He was on really late at night. This is back in the 70s. And he, he was a really strange guy. He was kind of funny. Oh, he had a really strange way of laughing. <laughs> and he was always smoking, you know, the whole time he would do these interviews. And he was doing this very interesting interview one time for the, one of the guys who was the window cleaner on the Empire State Building. You know, we see these giant skyscrapers and we think, oh, we don't really give it any thought that somebody's got to clean them windows. And so Tom Snyder thought, well, I want to do a really interesting interview. He wanted to interview a window cleaner on the Empire State Building. So he goes up to the 88th floor and he's literally leaning out with his microphone, you know, and he's doing an interview with the guy who's one floor below him. So he's like on the 87th floor. And of course, this window cleaner, he's got a hook on this side and a hook on this side of the window. And he's leaning back, you know, and he's got his bucket dangling there. And, you know, he was doing windows the hard way. And Tom Snyder was talking to him, and he, he said, so does it bother you? You know, no matter how high you go, he goes, oh, I'm not really afraid of heights. And he goes, well, do they pay you any more money the higher you go? He goes, nope, get the same. He goes, wonder why that is. He goes, because they figure if you fall from the 80th floor or the 8th floor, the results are the same. <laughs> Absolutely. So whether you're on a religious road, you see, or whether you're a total atheist, if you're on your road, that road leads to the same destination. It's the same ending. It's a road of destruction. The Apostle Paul, at the height of his zealousness, was going about to persecute the church of Jesus Christ and was on his way to Damascus. Maybe you know the story. He had letters in his hand from the Sanhedrin council to imprison any man or woman whom he found there who was of the way. But before entering into Damascus, he said there was a light that shone about him. Paul said it was so bright, it was brighter than the noonday sun. And it really took him on this encounter. And Paul was actually struck to the ground and was quite literally blinded by the light. 
Then he heard a voice, he said, and a man saying to him, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, it's not in my notes, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway. It's for free. I always love the fact that Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because you see, Paul was persecuting what? The church. He had become an instrument for the enemy against people. But not just any people, against the Lord's people. God frowns on that, my friends. No weapon formed against you, the Bible says, will prosper. God takes care of his own. He always has and he always will. Because he identifies with us. And I love that, that Jesus does that. You are not in it alone, my friends. If you are in Christ, then Christ is in it with you. And more than that, he's the one taking care of you, watching for you, praying for you, doing it all for you. He identifies with you. Told Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's next words I always love because once he came to his senses, once his, the eyes of his understanding was open, he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Paul was converted, man, like that. I love the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what he does when he comes in and changes a man's heart. You know, the Bible says a natural man, he who is not born again, doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. For they're spiritually discerned. But he who is born again, he judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. What a difference that makes. When Paul was converted, his life took quite a different turn from that moment on. The poet Robert Frost, maybe you know who he is, at the end of his very famous poem, A Road Not Taken, he wrote this. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. <laughs> you see, my friends, there is a road. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the road that leadeth unto life, and few there be that even find it. <laughs> you see, there's two roads. There's the road freely, that really goes down into destruction. And the reason, the reason, that people take it is because the path to life, to eternal life, is through Jesus Christ. It's narrow because it's only through him. Not only is it narrow, but it's seemingly illogical. It really doesn't make any sense. But God's always been that way. I think it's interesting when people say, well, that don't make no sense when they hear the gospel. I go, you know, it really doesn't. Jesus said, if you want to go up, you got to first what? Go down. Jesus said, if you want to live, the first thing you need to do is die. It doesn't make any sense to the natural man. The preaching of the cross to them that perish is what? Foolishness. 
The narrow road to Christ is a road less traveled. Jesus said, few there be that find it. Why? Because man wants to do it himself. There's something in each and every one of us that says, I got to have my sticky little fingers in it somewhere, somehow. If you ever question that, think about when somebody has tried to do something good for you, even when you needed it. I've been there. I remember years ago, I was working at a Christian radio station, my first stint in ministry. I had nothing. These guys paid me $140 a week, and I was working almost 60 hours a week. And that was back when $140 was still nothing. So I was making dirt. But I was doing the Lord's work, and I was happy to do it. And one day, this one pastor came in. I later became very good friends with him, but I'll never forget it. I was a young man. I wasn't very old. I wasn't very old in the Lord. And he went to shake my hand, and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he hugged me. But as he was shaking my hand, he gave me what I call a hallelujah handshake. You ever had one of them? That's where somebody slides you a, a, you know, a 20 or a $50 bill. Because you know, it, 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 it feels funny when they do that. You know, what is that? And I looked down, and it was money. And, I, and the first reaction was, oh, I can't take that. I, I, I can't take that. No, 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 no. He said, no, you need that. I went, oh, no, no, I don't. Oh, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I really needed it. But my pride, you see. And it's not just Doug Cope, and I'm not the only prideful. I'm a man. That's men. That's people. There's something in us that even when I'm in desperate need and somebody tries to be kind to me, that I have a hard time receiving grace gracefully. Mankind is a stiff-necked person. They just are. It's because it's in his sinful nature that he's born with that convinces him that he alone is the captain of his own destiny. That he's the author of his life and the end of it. The problem with this, of course, is that this mindset is the root of pride. That's where it comes from. Without being regenerated, Without being born again, without the eyes of his understanding and light, man will inevitably follow the countless numbers who take the broad road that leads to destruction and to the end in the lake of fire. Even those who are religious, but unregenerated. As the Apostle Paul was before his Damascus Road experience, he, you know, winding up uh, entering in the same way he would have. And would have come to destruction. Because, he said, they had not submitted unto the righteousness which is not of the law, but is of God by Jesus Christ. After 30 years of being on the, the road less traveled, the apostle, in reflecting on his previous journey on the broad road, said that he counted all those things that he gained on that road. The acceptance of his peers, the accolades of his office, his secular power, his authority, he counted them but loss. In reality, Paul considered them nothing more than dumb. Because the road less traveled, which he had been on for 30 years, led him not to destruction, but to the excellency of the knowledge 
of Christ. And the hope that when Jesus appeared, that he would be found in him, not having his own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith alone. As I close, I want you to understand that. If, if, if you didn't get nothing else, get that. I want you to understand it. Paul, Paul said the road less traveled leads to eternal life, and it's only found in Jesus Christ. You see, that road actually leads to the cross, where Jesus paid the price for each and every person who will come to him. Each and every one whom God has called, whom God has tapped on the shoulder, maybe that's you, my friend. Maybe the Lord, I've had people tell me, Doug, how do I know I'm chosen? Do you care? Have you been resisting the call of the Holy Spirit, the wooing of the Holy Ghost? Have you been resisting that? Because if you have, then you're called. God is knocking at the door. Jesus said, lo, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will open, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me and I will be his God and he will be my person, my, my, my son and my daughter. why we call it good news it's easy to focus on the bad news there's so much of it all you got to do is look at how wretched man is but the good news is that that all changes through jesus christ oh it is a road less traveled no doubt there's not many who choose it why because it has nothing to do with you you get the rest from your own works and now you get to be a partaker of the righteousness of god which is through jesus christ now you get to be his and his alone because of all that he's done. And you truly then can say when somebody says, well, I'm not perfect, you can say, I am. You might not be flawless, my friend, but in Christ you can be perfect. And you have to be to get into heaven. You have to pick the road less traveled that leads to eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, it's all been done by God through the work and ministry of Jesus. He lived for you, kept the law for you, imparted that righteousness to you, and then he died to buy you and to purchase you. And then he rose from the dead to give you hope that there is a resurrection and a new body awaiting you in heaven. And the Bible says that he then sat down at the right hand of God and he makes intercession for each and every person who has come to him in faith. Solomon said there's a road that seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death and destruction. But the road less traveled leads to the cross where Jesus hung. And his last words that he spoke on that cross was, Tostelestai, it is finished. Paid for. Paid in full. Done. Accomplished. All and all for you, if you will only accept it. So what road are you on, my friend? Maybe you're driving in a car right now and you're listening to me on the radio. Maybe you're watching on some other media. 
Maybe the road you've been traveling on has been one of your own making, and you know that because you're miserable. It has led you to nothing but destruction, to poor choices, to addictions, to whatever that thing is that you have grown to hate with all your might. You know, the interesting thing, I was talking with my wife this morning. She said, I'm so thankful that even when I was on that road, that one that I had picked, that was leading to destruction, that God, in his great mercy, gives you an off-ramp that leads to Christ. I'm so thankful for that. My friend, listen to me. Regardless of where you're at on that road, Jesus is offering you an off-ramp this morning. He's offering you a way to enter in to the narrow road. The one that's less traveled, no doubt, but one that leads to life eternal in him. I implore you this morning, choose that road. Pick the one less traveled. The end result, my friend, will be so much greater than the other. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I thank you this morning. And I pray for those this morning, Lord Father, maybe who have found themselves and maybe even the turmoil that they see going on in the world today has woken them up to the fact that they are on the wrong road. Lord, I pray for those right now who maybe you have drawn them and opened their eyes to their own need for a Savior. My friend, if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. I encourage you to accept the free gift of salvation, which is through Jesus Christ. If we simply acknowledge the fact that we are a sinner, we are in need of that, and believe on the Lord Jesus that God has raised him from the dead and confess with our heart that he is the Lord, he says, you shall be saved, and you will begin to travel on that road that is less taken. So let me pray for you right now, and you just pray with me. Father, Lord, I admit, Lord, Father, that I have picked the wrong road. Lord, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me and to come into my heart, Lord, Father. I trust you. I believe in you, and I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, God bless you. Keep your eyes on the Lord this week. Stay in the Word. Continue to read through Philippians. It only gets better. May the Lord